Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to another edition of Turned Out a Punk. I'm your host, Damien Abraham, and once again, I am bringing you a conversation with someone who grew up listening to punk, may or may not still be involved in the genre, but had their life changed by it in a major way. And today on the show, this ain't no ordinary show, everyone. Today, it is a very special live from Sound on Sound Music Festival in Austin, Texas edition of Turned Out a Punk. So we've got Dave Kelling from the band Culture Abuse, one of my favorite new bands. He's making his debut on the show in the live setting. Uh, and we also have returning to the show, though, Chris Slorak from Mets, one of my good, good buddies, saw him tonight at dinner even, and MVP who breaks the record as being the most appeared on guest on Turn Out a Punk. This is his third time. And joining me as a special stand-in for Chris O'Toole doing Turn Out a Punk footnotes with me is Turn Out a Punk footnotes regular contributor and former guest, Dave Ackerman of the band Tear It Up, of Splitting Headache, uh, so much more. Uh, one of the most knowledgeable people about music I know, especially punk, I should say. And anyway, more on that in a second, as if I haven't given you tons of that already, but more on that in a second. There's even more to tell you about that. If you want to get in touch with me, head over to DamienAbraham.com. It's a website where you I have an email address. You can send me an email. You can also check out old episodes of the show. But more importantly, at the top of that page, you will see Tour-Tope Live. Click on that tab, and it'll take you to a page where you can pick up your tickets for the Turned at a Punk Live Tour. So that's right. You're listening to the live episode today. Give you a taste of what I'm going to do. On these dates, I've confirmed some guests. I can say that there's lots of former guests so far coming on. Um, there's, you know, some new guests. Uh, I, I'm going to throw out a couple names right now. Uh, Greg from Locking Out is going to be there at one of the shows. Uh, Walter from Quicksand, Gorilla Biscuits, Walter Schreifels, former guest, is going to be at another show. Uh, I've got uh, Jeff Cannonball making a return at one of the shows. Meredith Graves is going to make her highly anticipated return to turn out a punk at one of those shows. Uh, Michael Alago is going to be at one of those shows. There's tons of stuff that's going to be happening for this turn out a punk live tour. So go to those dates and buy your tickets now because those venues aren't huge and they will fill up and you would want to be there because we have merch and everything. It's going to be fun. You'll hear. You'll hear on this episode. So anyway, go there, buy your tickets. But if you still want to find other ways to get in touch with me, you can find me on social media at Left for Damien. You can also, on various forms, I mean, uh, you can also go to Facebook.com and there's a Turned Out of Punk Facebook page. It's run by my brother, Tristan Abraham, and you can send him a message. He'll get the message to me. And you can also see some of the cool stuff that people send us that we post up there. And if you don't use Facebook and you still want to see that cool stuff that people 
send us that we post up there, you can go to turnitoutapunk.tumblr.com and check it out there because we, we stick that stuff up there too. And uh, yeah, if you would like to support this show though, you can do that if you use iTunes by heading over to iTunes and subscribing to this podcast, writing a review and rating it. You will also see up there are some other podcasts in the Turn Out of Punk family. There is Clobber in Time, there's Footnotes, and there's Oil and Flowers. Oil and Flowers is hosted by my good buddy, DJ Buddha Blaze, and myself, and that one's about cannabis. A Clobbering Time is hosted by Tom Bryan and myself, and that one is all about pro wrestling. This week, Cole Cabana's on, which is... <laughs> The whole inspiration for this show is Cole Cabana's podcast, The Art of Wrestling. So him being a guest on that show is a big deal for me, a big, big deal. And then, of course, there is the original spinoff show hosted by Chris O'Toole and myself, Turn Out of Punk Footnotes, where each week we dissect a Turn Out of Punk episode and go go in depth. And this week on the show, we're going to have a special guest to go through this episode. So anyway, check those out. If you don't use iTunes and you still want to support the show, tell your friends. Uh, come and see us at a live date. And uh, otherwise, just, you know, say nice things. That's that's the best way to do it. But anyway, please tell your friends and let them know if, if you think you know someone that would like this show. Uh, help spread the word. Also, if you haven't yet, please go over to vice.com or youtube.com and watch Bloodless Tournament of Death. I think if you're on YouTube, it's like the most violent wrestling in America. Search most violent wrestling in America, Vice, and you'll you'll get this documentary that I made uh, with a bunch of my buddies, a uh, bunch of my friends at Vice. Uh, Shawnee is the director, Shawnee Cohen, one of my, oh, an amazing director. It is an unbelievable, unbelievable documentary. And that's not me saying it because I'm hosting it. Believe me, if I had... Nothing to do with it. I would still say this is an unbelievable documentary. So please, if you haven't checked that out, go over there and check it out. While you're over at vice.com, check out some of the other stuff I did. I write articles, other videos. I do tons of stuff over there. So check that all out while you're watching that documentary. Also, Fucked Up is going to be playing December 30th in Detroit. You can find out details about that by going to fuckedup.cc. We're going to be playing with Suicide Machines, Black Dahlia Murders, uh, mustard plug, uh, municipal waste. It's a, it's a, it's gonna be a fun, fun show. So check out that show coming up and, uh, yeah, I think that's, that's about it. That's how all the ways you can support this show and, and me. And I guess we should just dive on into today's episode today on the show. It is an amazing one. It is a, a taste for you of these live shows that I'm going to be doing. Gives you a taste of the kind of format I want to do for all these things. And, you know, and it was, this was a, a really cool experience. Sound on Sound Music Festival, which is one of my favorite music festivals in the world, as I say in this. Even though it's the first one, these are kind of the core people that were doing Fun, Fun, Fun for years before that. And if you've never been to Fun, 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 you missed out because that was an incredible festival. And so they've taken that spirit and put it in a renaissance fair. And now it is Sound on Sound Music Festival. And it is a, I, it was such a great time. I don't think I've had that much fun at a festival God, in a long, long time. I got to see so many great bands, so many friends, hang out, and I got to do a live podcast. Now, originally, I had planned to have Jeff from Thursday kind of come back and do his big return, uh, but, you know, communications got crossed and he was unable to make it, but 
what happened in, kind of in addition instead was, uh, you know, this whole thing kind of came together. Chris Slorak, amazing buddy of mine, one of the people I've known the longest in Toronto from Mets. Uh, Dave from Culture Abuse, Dave Kelling from Culture Abuse. And if you have not heard Culture Abuse yet, you are really missing out. They are one of the most exciting bands, in my opinion, happening right now. I love them, so got to have him on the show. And then, of course, MVP, who is back for the third time. And, yeah, like MVP drove up for Houston, from Houston, I should say, and was here for the whole thing and just, you know, proved once again why he is one of my best buds. Um, And we had an amazing time. And then, on top of all that, I was joined by former guest, New Jersey hardcore legend, Dave Ackerman of the band Tear It Up. And, And he is... Here, hilarious, you'll hear it all. So, anyway, I'm not going to waste any more of your time. I want you to enjoy this because it is a good one. It's a short one, but it's a good one. So, everyone, sit back, relax, and or actually, first, before you sit down and relax, buy your tickets for the live shows and then sit down and relax. Uh, and you will be ready for Sound on Sound presents Turned Out a Punk Live from Austin, Texas. Now you can hear me. I think we got a broken mic. Dave, you're losing your mic. (laughs) Hey, thank you so much for coming out to the first ever Turn Out of Punk Live. I'm, uh, I feel a lot more comfortable if I was yelling in your faces right now. But uh, this is incredible to get to do this. This is my favorite festival in the world. Uh, It's the first one, but trust me, the people that do it have been working in this business for a while, and uh, they know how to book something where you get such uh, fortunate conflicts as Girls Against Boys and Flag playing at the same time. You have to decide. But they fucked me over, too, one time. They had me playing against Chain of Strength. I wanted to skip my own show, but I didn't. Uh, anyway, this is going to be a fun time. I got some uh, awesome guests here. Uh, Jeff may or may not make it in time. He's stuck in traffic, but don't worry. I got surprises that are not better than Jeff, but uh, as good, if not better. That's not me, though, that music part. But first, I'm going to introduce another concept. If you listen to the podcast, it's a weekly show where every episode starts out the same way. I ask someone how they got into punk, and we just talk for a super long time. I totally kind of borrowed the concept from a guy named Cole Cabana, who's a wrestling podcaster. He's pretty popular in the field. Uh, he, did these, he does this, an incredible show called The Art of Wrestling, where he has various wrestlers come on and talk about their lives. And I was like, ah, oh, these people live very similar lives, granted much cooler and more dangerous than us in music, but very similar lives to us in music. So I could probably figure a way to do this in my own way. And that's what I did. But on that show... There is another adjacent podcast by the name of Turn Out of Punk Footnotes, where every week we dissect a Turn Out of Punk episode and go into the nitty gritty and really nerd the fuck out. And I can't have Chris O'Toole here as my co-host for that, but I had to have someone from the Turn Out of Punk Footnotes family. So let me welcome to the stage my good friend. You may know him as Dave It Up, Dave Ackerman from Splitting Headache and Tear It Up. I was just going to uh, sit over there. Oh, thank you, sir. Okay, so that is uh, the, uh, 
the start of this. I'm going to introduce this concept to you because it's going to be this right. is the unique feature of this show. Is Dave is going to be over there, Dave, and what are you going to be doing? I'm going to be taking notes, mm -hmm. and then I'm going to be uh, interjecting periodically, but mostly being quiet until it was my turn to talk. Yes, and then Dave will be welcomed back to the stage, and we, he and I will nerd out, because I know a lot about punk, but Dave knows a shit ton about this genre. If there's ever a time that uh, being a one part Punisher, one part just <laughs> nerd about music comes to... Uh, those two, the Venn diagram of those two things comes together. It's uh, Turned Out of Punk footnotes. Turned Out of Punk is uh, truly a celebration of all the shit uh, people would find abhorrent about punk rock nerdism. Yeah. Collecting like, records, like all the bullshit. It, it's not a, a something for everyone. It's like it, it's one of those things, like, uh, like a lot of things, either it's really up your alley or couldn't disinterest you more. Well, Dave, I've got to kick you off to your, to your stoop because I've got to invite our first guest out. This is one of the people I've known longest in music. This is someone that we realized this before we came to the stage. We've known each other now for 21 years. He is also a member of probably one of the best bands ever from Toronto, in my opinion. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Slorak from the band Mets. <laughs> Thank you, Chris. How's it going? Going good. I'm not a very good at this yet. <laughs> I'm learning. I'm learning. I was just trying to figure out what that was. It's my laptop. You know what I mean. Oh, you mean my DJ program, iTunes? <laughs> I'm into... I, I, I'm a laptop DJ back home. If you want to book me, it's very expensive, but I assure you it's worth it. Yeah. <laughs> the text type. Yeah, the text type. So, Chris, you and me... We've known each other now for like 21 years, dude. 21. I think I met you in the basement of Who's Emma after getting hit in the face with a bottle of root beer by Steve Perry. <laughs> I'm going to just, I'm going to pretend that that's when it was. <laughs> we were at a Countdown to Oblivion show and Steve Perry is this older fella, you know, recent dad. Is and, it, he's a dad now? Well, I don't know. That's what you told me. I don't know if I... Okay, forget okay. it. He's, he not a, he's not a dad, but he's he was He's a like, dad to all of us hardcore kids. That's what I think he yeah. meant. He was a dad to all of us at scene. the time. He's a scene parent. And he showed up for this Countdown to Oblivion show, and with a full sealed bottle of root beer, they hit the first note, and he threw it, and it hit me straight in the middle of my forehead and knocked me right on my ass. It was like... It was an unfortunate period in Toronto yeah. where uh, everyone had to be nuts at a show. So you'd just see, like, just see bands, and like some bands would be legitimately terrifying, you know, like Haymaker, and they'd smash it, and you'd be like, oh, shit. Or these... Left for Dead. Or like, Left for Dead. I got kicked in the chest at a few Left for Dead shows. Uh, there's a video of Left for Dead where the guitar player uh, beats up someone in the crowd, and then the riot ensues, and you hear someone just before the video cuts off go, I got hurt for real that time! And then the video cuts <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> Might be one of my favorite hardcore videos ever. Not all Canadians are peaceful. Like, no, no. Left for Dead was never a very peaceful band. Haymaker, I mean, it's a there's. It's a scene. It's that Hamilton scene. There's a continuing darkness with it all, really. Not anymore, though. You go to Hamilton now, it's like Williamsburg North. That, it's like yeah. everyone couldn't afford to live in Toronto. They just moved to this other city, like right next door. But it's still kind of like. Still got that seedy underbelly. Yeah, there's so much craft beer. So much craft beer. <laughs> you can't get a beer that's not crafted. <laughs> it's just all crafted. But Chris, like, I, I kind of think that the thing that's amazing is that, you know, we're two people that came from, I don't know, like, 
very similar kind of periods in time, but had very different paths to wind up meeting in the same practice space. That's right. We share our practice space. Yeah. That's where all the hits are made, right? <laughs> Fucked up, Mets. Just career suicide. Career suicide, too, yeah. Yep. And shit. You and guys shit. heard shit? Yeah. All right. One of the greatest I like this Toronto hardcore bands right now. I like this shit. Yeah. Everybody loves shit. Everyone. Toronto... Toronto has definitely got now the corner on weird band names. That's true. This morning I came down and I saw Des Kadena trying to tell uh, Rhino, the tour manager, about your band. And he's like, yeah, it's Mets. <laughs> but not what? the Mets, the team. It's like, they're awesome. It's like the Mets. Like the place in France they're named after. But it's not the same. It's present- and it's <laughs> uh, That totally nerds me out. <laughs> I know, it's kind of crazy. That's the thing about this festival. You're like walking around and it's like... Oh, that's a legend. That's yeah, like a well, legend. you got in a, like a five-minute conversation with Keith Morris on our way over here. Yeah, like if you try and walk through here with this guy, you're not going to be able to No, because I will punish like every steps. single person I see. You, yeah, you, well... I will just, like, abuse them and force them to... Invite them to sleep on your couch and look them. after your kid. Babysitter, you know? That's not a weird thing to there's have. Some, there's some solid morals in there, I think. It's solid. Yeah, solid morals. <laughs> I don't know. He's got... <laughs> Maybe. Have you read his book yet? I haven't read his book yet, okay, but I will as soon as I'm done this it's, podcast. It's it's a, it's it's a it, that book. There's so many crazy punk books that came out around the same time. Yeah, uh, I read Harley's book. That Whoa. was really. Uh, anybody else read that? Harley Flanagan from the Chromex yeah. book. I didn't anybody? know that book was out yet. It's out. My brother told me there's parts in it where like a story happens in the I first thought, part of the page, and then I thought it you guys were hardcore. Well. We already know all the shit in the book, Chris. We don't have to relearn it. That's true. That's true. You know? Like, well, can, I, can I ask a question about the book? Is it in all caps? <laughs> it, you, you could really read it that way, actually. It, it, you, it kind of feels like someone's screaming in your face at if, certain if it, points. If it's not all caps, I'm going to say Ghost Rider all over. <laughs> Ghost Rider. <laughs> he handed it in all caps. Hey, Harley, so this chapter that I'm working on, what's the vibe we're going for for this thing? Like Screaming. That dude's like... That dude's been a, an author since he was eight years old. Harley Flanagan put out his first book with Allen Ginsberg when he was, like, what, eight? That book comes out? If not younger. If not younger? Also, an eight-year-old hanging out with Allen Ginsberg is a weird hang. Yeah? Like, <laughs> that, that seems like it might be illegal. There's, <laughs> I worked at this crazy video store. Like, uh, it was a very bizarre video store. And we Suspect? had Yeah. Yeah, yeah you, a lot of people... Uh, in Toronto would go there and rent some of the weird videos we had and we had a documentary called Chicken Hawk that's about Nambla and Allen Ginsberg is all over it <laughs> and you're like and if you don't know what Nambla is check out a Turbo Negro's first record and the song Midnight Nambla or the first American released record with Midnight Nambla or uh, Google that from your work computer yeah Google it from your work computer <laughs> the best way to learn about Nambla is to listen to Turbo Negro <laughs> from Nambla no that's true that's, it's not the worst way to. <laughs> yeah you don't want to learn about Nambla from someone from Nambla <laughs> no that's true start with Turbo Negro yes. and go from there let them do the research for you that's, that's right. what they're there for the scholarly endeavors of Turbo Negro um no one's ever said that. No. <laughs> and nor will they ever again. <laughs> I'm trying to make my time, Chris, because you got to go do a photo shoot. You're like a legit... Are you guys going to see Mets tonight? Who's going to see Mets? Thank you. Someone wants to take our picture, and Damien wanted to monopolize some it's of It's me, time. Chris. 
I'm going to force this gag till I actually get my stupid phone to work and take the picture. He's been, like, trolling me for days. Yo, he followed me onto the airplane no, and made me drive him to the hotel. Here's how this happens at the airport. I get to the airport, and he's like, yay! And I'm like, I, gotta, I just finished eating, like, a giant sandwich. So I'm like, Arr! and just give him a big hug. And then he's like, oh, so where are you sitting? I'm like, ah, oh, like, 21D. And he's like, I'm like, what are you, like, 19, 20? He's like, uh, I'm, I got bumped up. I'm like, oh, fancy pants. I walk in, Mr. Business Class is sitting all up in the thing, so of course I had to take a picture of him and put it online. He did, but I had definitely had the oldest guy in the world snoring in my face the whole time, so it was comfortable. I, yeah, we think we had this But con- not that comfortable. We had this conversation. Everyone who's flown on a plane for any amount of time knows that a baby might be the worst thing to be stuck beside. An old person is way fucking worse, because a baby will eventually tire itself out and go to sleep. Yeah. No, this person. This- but an old man will go to sleep and not wake up, and so you, if you have to pee or something, you just actually can't get past the guy. Well, I was reading. I was just doing my best to take my mind off my bladder, and this guy's just snoring in my face the whole time. Just it was almost like he was taunting me. He's like, "I know, I know what you have to do, but you can't do it because I'm not waking up." And I think about like maybe taking up parkour and jumping over him, but. It's not going to work out. That's Anyways, he woke up. I peed. Everything was fine. Bladder's good. That's when you take a page from my book and pee in his magazine thing. What? Did you do that? No. God, no. I'm like the most timid human being in the world. It was... All right. I'm like okay. a flower, a wilting flower. But Chris, I want to keep you here all day, buddy. We got to do another podcast. We got to do part two eventually. We literally talked about zero punk rock. We, we talked, talked about, about punk rock. We talked about we talked about the Hamilton. least punk rock things. We talked about Turbo. That's we true. talked about Nambla. We talked about Allen Ginsberg. We talked about the. Oh, you got the. Why am I ruining footnotes? I'm done. I'm You're done. You're ruining footnotes, Chris. So Chris is going to take a photo, and here's where we actually test how punk is he is. Can he take a photo and make it back here for the end of the show? We'll see. One, two, three, go. I should have turned off my like auto screensaver thing so I could do this thing. Dave, come on over, buddy. Damn it! Man, I didn't know that all the audio like music cues were gonna go with this as well. I, I brought. I'm like, I'm like, I'm bringing high production here. I didn't show up at this podcast with just like. No, I did show up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just figuring it out as I got it. All right. Um, so for my notes, real quick, is, am I too loud? Is that the Steve from Town of Hardcore, or is that a different Steve? That's a different Steve. Oh, okay. This is almost like if you, if you were to uh, make them into a diagram of, of, of spectrum, one Steve would be on one side, and the other Steve would be on the complete opposite side. As, then there's a note on if it's not, because that guy seems like it's li- some of the... Well, let's go into Steve Perry. Steve Perry, who's the Steve we're talking about, who played in Countdown to Oblivion, was the second singer with Chris Callahan, uh-huh. played in this band called One Blood, which was a reggae-influenced hardcore band from Toronto that put out a 7-inch on War... or an LP on War Dance record. Well, I... Th- <laughs> All right. Uh, <laughs> you know, when I think Toronto, I, I assume like everyone else, I think... Drake. Re- reggae. Reggae is where I go. Yeah, okay. <laughs> and this isn't even a joke. Toronto has an incredible reggae scene because... So many Jamaican uh, expats settled there after in the 70s and into the 80s. So there's so many dance hall and reggae artists that came up. And also, Toronto, there's a hair salon. And in the basement, it's called Monica's. It's on St. Clair. If you ever come to Toronto, go there. Uh, it's got a basement just full of fucking records. 
and it's a hair salon. It's like people getting their hair done, and then you're just like, I'm just going to go see your records in the basement. Are they like, is it a store or just like there's records? You buy stuff. I don't know how it works on the actual practical level. I only went there with a friend who was like digging, and I'm just like sitting there like, can we go get doubles soon or something? Uh, I don't know if like the statute of limitations is on stuff like that, but there was a friend who worked at a record store in North Jersey who I don't think that store's there anymore, but uh, he at one point we were just like hanging out. He's like, do you just want stuff? You can just take whatever you want in the basement. And then, so like, it was not like, it wasn't like, you know, Velvet Underground acetates, like, you know, scores per se, but that was just like, one of those things that like blows your mind. We're like, oh, okay. Yeah. And it was where I clean up on a lot of the like random filler, like I should own this SST record on 10 inch too, right? Like that kind of whole feeling. I guess that's why that store is not around anymore, Dave. Yo, that's a store... <laughs> That's the, like the urban legend store of being like, oh, my friend got like a, the Misfit Seven Inch there, like from still being there. Like I, I, someone I know got a Citizens Arrest on Red there. I like to I like to think that there's still amazing records in basements all over the world, and it just takes someone lonely and nerdy enough, or it, or crafty enough, yeah. to go down there and search. Yeah, I spent one time eight hours in the basement of a record store. Eight, like I clocked in. Clocked out for lunch and then clocked back in just digging. I got like like 10 seven inches, probably worth a hundred dollars. Not really worth it for the time put in. No, no, no. no. It was really. <laughs> it was fun though. Okay. My lungs are still paying for it from yeah, all that, the that's, that's mold I ingested and all that. Um, as that that podcast that that portion of it did not go very uh, punk. My only other notes were uh, as far as uh, injuries at a show. I'll just say that I got hit in the face at the No Justice last show opening like words weren't out of the microphone yet like opening strum of guitar chord hit in the face well that's got stitches this puts in perspective the difference between your country and chris and my country at a show in toronto someone's going to throw a root beer in your face uh dave at a show in new jersey no it was in uh dc in dc got a fucking uh symbol like stand thrown in his face and that video is, I don't know, there's two angles, there's several angles for it, but I had this one angle on tape. Do you want to, is it okay if I relive this no, with go you? go for it. Okay. And the angle is, it's no justice, and they start playing, and he's like, yo, fuck this dude shit up. And he grabs the cymbal stand and throws it, and you're like, oh, it's going to hit the camera. And then it's just like this dude's head, like, doof. And yeah. you're like, oh, shit. And then he turns around, and you're like, oh, it's Dave from Tearing Up, oh, shit. Yeah. Just blood, crimson mask. Yeah, my face covered in blood, and it's like at a show where there's like trying to get your car's worth of people. It was not like an easy task. So like they were done by the time it was like, okay, we're all here. Went to a DC emergency room, which truth be told, there was a lot of actual emergencies there. <laughs> so I sat there for quite a while. It's like one of those things that I already told my mom that I was like, I'm going to the hospital. That I'm like, it'll be real bad if I see her tomorrow. And she's like, oh, I just left. It took too long. Um, but I eventually got stitches, and then I drove because everyone else was too sleepy. The story I heard is that you went back to the show. But I did that, not go back okay. to the show. I was probably just still there trying to leave. <laughs> yeah, just like, he was there. He came back, dude. But you're just trying to find the people to get out. Yeah. How, like, how many stitches was that? That was only like four or something. Really? It wasn't a lot, yeah. It was like three. You should go into wrestling, Dave. You're a bleeder. And I played the next day. You played the next yeah, day? Yeah, Tarana played Seabees the next day. That's Punk points. Yeah, yeah. Right there. That's what you got to do, man. What, I got to not play CBGBs? Well, we also got to talk about another band that you played with, the (laughs) aforementioned Haymaker. Yes. At that Toronto show, which was supposed to be my band's first show before I was in the band. Could have been. Boom. Boom. Dave's mind's blown. That's why he's just saying could have been right now. Yeah, why why didn't you play? (laughs) 
because uh, I wasn't in the band, but uh, but also they didn't couldn't get together. But that show was I think you saw that Toronto did have not just a root beer on the face side, it had like a a, a dark side. There was yeah, knocking stuff over. Was there just a, on a note to that? Did they was like one of the other dudes going to sing, or was there like an, is there like like the same way Agnostic Front or Cro-Mags have their like Eric Casanova or whatever that you know like is there someone who's like oh yeah I was the original singer fucked up yeah Josh our guitar was it Josh the, yeah okay he went to train hop around America and so they were like we need someone to fill in for two shows and I was that good and <laughs> 15 years later no I'm just kidding Josh came back and Josh was that bad that Mike said you have to move on to guitar. Okay, so he's still there then, at least. Oh, yeah, no, he's still in the fold. Yeah, definitely. And his vocals have gotten a million times better. I think he fucked up his voice. He started singing in a hardcore band called Youngblood when he was, like, 12 years old, and his voice hadn't changed, and it was, like, the gnarliest, most militant, vegan, hardline band that 11-inch prime age for militant vegan. I'm trying to remember. Like, I'm getting confused with that Shy Halud song, My Heart Bleeds the Darkest Blood, and I'm getting confused with that Raid song, Bleed Green Blood. But they had some song about bleeding a blood of a certain shade, and I can't or color, and I can't remember what it was. That was horrifically bad, <laughs> in the best way possible. Well, Dave, I'm you can go, move back to the I'll perch. Go to my spot. Because I got to invite. Uh, you guys ever watched Kids in the Hall? Yep. Well, everyone in Turned Out a Punk, like on that show, is also named Dave. So I would like to welcome from Cultural Abuse, my friend Dave, to the stage. <laughs> Fading it out. I'm not going to make you have to listen to the whole thing again. Don't worry. I, no, I like that song, dude. You? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's, I had to pick music that I didn't have to pay people for, so I just stole from all my bands that didn't have <laughs> publishing deals. Uh, dude, you should have me write you a song. You, you can write me a song anytime. So you guys are probably right now one of the coolest bands in the world, one of my favorite bands going, and also a <coughs> band that I've never seen play. dude. Yeah, we can't get in. Because, like... We're a gang and not. You can't get we into Canada. Members, dude. Yeah, we can't get into Canada. But you can. Yeah. But real bad boys don't get in trouble. <laughs> That's true. You know you're bad when you never get caught. Yeah. The cops are gone still, right? <laughs> Subway? <laughs> okay. Uh, but uh, I wanted to kind of like, I'm going to have you on the podcast for real, but just as a teaser, how was your first, what was your first exposure to punk? I mean, I guess if you consider, like, when I was in, I grew up, like, only listening to, like, Motown mm -hmm. and, like, the Beatles and shit, like, just shit that my parents listened to, and I didn't know, and I didn't really question if there was, like, other music, but, like, my dad bought this pickup truck uh, from this guy that lived in this mobile home, like, weird trailer thing with a bunch of clowns everywhere, and I was, like, really little, and I was digging around in the truck, and I found... Uh, Beastie Boys cassette tape of License to Ill. Okay. And I remember, like, I, I grew up, like, in the middle of nowhere in, like, a one-bedroom, like, cabin thing. Mm -hmm. And I pretty much just, like, slept on the couch my entire in, in, life. In, like, the West Coast or? Yeah, like, out by Yosemite in okay. California. Am I close enough? Do you no, hear you, me? Can you hear me now? <laughs> Who knows what puppet has put their <laughs> mouth on this today? I know. <laughs> Most microphones smell like cum to me. Oh, that'll think. 
Um, it tastes different. But, uh, but yeah, I totally remember like listening to that record on headphones, like looking at my parents, and my parents are like down, like they're like bikers and hippies and shit, and uh, so they don't really give a fuck. But I still remember like listening to License Ale and being like, they can't know about this <laughs> at all. Like this, this is mine, you know. So like, did you did you ever get to see the Beastie Boys? No, I've never seen them either. No. I, like they're like one of those, the one that got away from me. But they're also so big that like I'm not that tall and I'm not that like aggressive in a in a big group of people that I I, I probably like even if I went to see him I couldn't see him mm-hmm. really you know mm-hmm. like so I watch a video and then, that's cool. They did. Someone told me the other day that around the time of the Alio Aglio EP is that it? Alio Aglio EP. Yeah. Can someone confirm or deny that I'm close enough, right? I'm close. Oh, no, you're just making hey, up words, man. I thought you were, Do you want to come on later on? Okay, we'll come. We'll work it all out. All right. So, uh, where were we? We were talking about that fucking Elio yeah. Eglio I heard they played basement shows. They would just show up at shows in Japan and play like... But there's no basements in Japan. I'm seeing the, the lies in this story now as I repeat it to you. <laughs> I never once thought... A basement the entire time I've been in Japan. Yeah. They Granted, went that's over there and hours. built basements. They built a basement. They're that popular. They're like, dig a pit. We're going to play in a pit tonight. Well, it's for, ch- for children. Yeah. But I heard they would just go there and play, like, a punk set. I knew that. That's sick. That's how I'd like to they, see them. They are, like, the best punk band. I mean, <laughs> not, like, the best. You know, like, but the punk shit that they did is a it's lot awesome. sicker than our punk bands. I, no, I think you guys. That, that, the first piece. Here's the thing: the Beastie Boys became a better punk band. Heart Attack Man, dude. That's the thing. It's not as it, that shit's way better than the Egg Raid on Mojo Seven Inch to me. This is a footnotes debate. I can see you already heating up for this one, Dave, in the corner. Dave, <laughs> you should have switched my name because when you called out Dave, I thought it was me. But no, it I've was got that Dave. I've got so many Daves in my life. These are the Daves I know. I know. I know. These are the Daves I know. This Kids guy. in the hall for the for you guys that said you knew it, so fuck it if you didn't. <laughs> Rancid. Ran- Yo. Rancid. That's kind of your Kids in the Hall, I guess, right? Rancid. Yeah. I don't know what the fuck Kids in the Hall is. You know Other than, like, the comedy thing. That's the comedy thing. But is that punk? Does that punk? Someone does not listen to this podcast, apparently, because I had Scott Thompson, one of the members of the Kids in the Hall, on the show, and it's one of the best episodes, Dave! I've only listened to Lars's. From Rancid, dude. You've only listened to Lars one. <laughs> it's the best one though. I it's fucking it a amazing. couple times though. It's amazing that one. It's that it's if you haven't listened to it, here's just a synopsis of the, one of the crazier moments in that thing. Lars, uh, at age eleven, smokes dust PCP at a friend's house, a friend's girlfriend's house when she's not there. They have to wrap the dog in chewing gum because the dog won't stop barking and they're tripping on PCP. And it's a prize-winning show dog, so don't worry. They get paid back for that in a minute. And then he ripped his friend's eye out. <laughs> if you have not listened to that episode, you will never listen to Rancid in the same way again. It makes it... I love Rancid. I fucking love Rancid. And after that episode, I'm like, I love him even more now! Yeah. Low-key, though. Do you think Rancid's best songs are on comps? Brothels? Okay, Tattoo? I'm not, I'm not necessarily like a 
song person. Okay, you're I'm now like an album. I'm like a collective idea of work. So what's you know your Rancid I mean? record? Rancid 2000. Oh, the self-titled 2000 record? Okay. Yeah, that one's yep. the best hardcore yep. album that ever existed. Once again, I, I don't know about that, Dave. But we, no, I'm not asking. <laughs> no, no, I know you're not asking. But I'm telling you that I don't know about that, Dave. Fucking eighth grade, dude. I was banging that shit. <laughs> I, love, I love that record, too. Um, <laughs> but the best? Yeah. Okay. You'll okay. make it at a base. Okay. Like Don Giovanni. It's got everything. And I... Now yeah. I love to, I fell in love with you. We're just gonna do that's rancid back that, and that's forth. That's not on that album. I know it's on. It's on. Let's go, which is a fucking perfect album. Do they? Yeah, let's go. Yeah. Never love till I fell in love with you. Never knew what a good time. Fuck you guys. I Fuck have all a good you time with you. And one When the music hits, I feel no pain at all. I've listened to Rancid for like forty yeah, years, no. and I don't know the words. I know that's the thing. Is like, but Tim. Tim might not be the best enunciator in the history of music. Yeah, but neither is fucking Bob Dylan or Tom Petty or all the fucking greats, you know? Yeah, that's true. So you're like the best. You're saying the best vocalists of all time. Tim are, Armstrong. Are the slur. Joe Strummer. Joe Strummer. Which Bob is Dylan. Tim Armstrong. And Jim Carroll. Jim Carroll, too. From Jim Carroll Band. Yo, and nowhere I heard about Jim Carroll for the first time. Rancid. And Out Come the Wolves. And when Do you my, guys know that that it's Jim Carroll on the Outcome the Wolves part? He named not, the record. It on the record, yeah. yeah you no, know, we named the record. They took the name from that poem. That yeah, and Outcome the Wolves. It paused, trembling in the snow, the alphabet. I stand on my head, watch it all go away. You're yeah, like, you're like Eminem Jim and Eight Mile, dude. That's not how many kids like that grew up with, and they'd be like, "Yeah, that's Tim Armstrong. He sounds crazy." <laughs> you know, and it's not though. It's not. It's Jim Carroll. It's the dude that wrote Basketball Diaries. If you've seen Basketball Diaries, he plays Leo, Leonardo DiCaprio. Yep. And he's that in it that too. Dude. He's the he's the uh, the heroin addict that gives him the shot at one point. Yeah, too. he's the real cool guy. He makes a yeah. He's like comes off, and also he wrote this Doing song. Doing heroin's hella cool and smoking dust too. <laughs> Weed, weed, let's keep it weed, but uh, <laughs> let's get tusted. Um, but Jim Carroll, like in, in that sequence, yeah, you're just like, is the cool, it makes that movie, but also wrote this song, These Are People Who Have Died. It's yeah. one of the best poems. All the people that, who I died, stand by. died. All the people who died, died. It's All really long. Point. It's really long. And there's a lot of people he knows through. that have died. Yeah, and then he talks about them dying again after he, he talked about them once. It's sad. That is sad. It's a People sad song. die. And Everyone's going to die. You're Fuck. all going to die. Don't, Dave. Don't. We're all going to die. Shut up. Hopefully a bomb drops on us oh, this weekend. Fuck this man. Okay, we're going to move on in two seconds, guys. Don't worry. But before we do. Rance is the best man ever. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's how the world would go out thinking. As long as you can upload this shit still. I'm definitely going to upload this. Thing. What are you talking about? I like, I'm, this is free content for me. Like, I don't have to do another episode. <laughs> this is amazing. I, I really am excited that I got to do this. But I want to tell, like, Jim Carroll, before I let you go, I'm going to force you to hear my story. I got more to talk about, dude. Well, I know, but that's why I'm doing a whole podcast with you too, Dave. Oh, yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. a teaser. Because I wanted to have, like, I've got a bunch of returning people, but I want to have someone new. And then I'm going to have yeah. someone borrowed and someone blue later on. And we're going to have... Married? We're going to blow that wedding off the stage from earlier. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Why not us, man? Well, because I'm married, and it would be polygamy is not legal in Texas, and mm -hmm. nor is it in Canada yet. But if you, if it wins. is, you move in because I need an extra set of hands because I got three fucking kids. Hey, I got like one and a half. Do kids? Hands. Okay, well, 
<laughs> then it's all hands on deck because we need it right now. Right. Um, but I met when my brother and I found out that it was Jim. My gum's melting in my mouth. Do I swallow it? Does it really stay in you for seven years? No, it poos you... out. It poos out. It's gone, dude. It's gone. It's probably because we're smoking the hash oil pen back there. Shh. It's just hash. Shh. It's not dust. That's later. <laughs> There's a dust pen. Someone's passing around a dust pen somewhere. And people are getting lit. Actually, in Vancouver, someone told me you could retrofit a weed pen for, uh, for a DMT. And I'm like, that is the most terrifying thing anyone could ever tell you. Um, but, That's crazy. But my brother and I went and meet Jim Carroll, and we met him at this thing, at this radio station. And then he gave us free tickets to come see him do this poetry reading. And we're like 14 and 12 at the time. And we go, and we see him. We're like waiting. And then we wait to meet him. And he signs our Rancid CD. And then he proceeds to tell us how he met Rancid for like 35 minutes and our parents are waiting outside. It's like, we got to go, dude. And he's like, no, Rancid came to me and they said, you should come to, down to the studio and we can play a song. And I wrote this song. He goes, starts going through the lyrics and breaking it down. <laughs> and it's like one of those things where you meet someone you really want to meet and then you're like, oh, fuck. I got to go, This man. is good. like when people meet me, I find this normally the way. Yeah, I got to go. You gotta go, Dave. I gotta take selfies. You gotta go take some selfies. That other guy got picture taken. Who's gonna take a picture of me, dude? No one asked me that. Well, I got a good meeting rancid story too. Well, tell me your meeting rancid story. Well, wait, no, should we save that for the podcast? Yeah. yeah oh, yeah. fuck you guys. I don't. You don't care. <laughs> no. Do they care? They're just waiting for the air sex champions. Is that coming up? Is that the headliner tonight? It's next. Oh, it's, it's next. It's fucking next. <laughs> Dave is always poking in the background. <laughs> and I'll always just be like... <laughs> leering, leering. All right, tell me your rancid story quickly, though. Wait, really? Yeah, why not? I want to hear a rancid story. Who wants to hear a rancid story? Okay, 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 okay. Okay, I'm going to lay it down for you. It was Warp Tour. It was like my birthday. It was like 99 or 2000. Around that. It wasn't actually my birthday, but my parents would buy us tickets to go see them at Warp Tour at Boreal Ski Resort because my mom loves Less Than Jake. Um, and well, she, she like does. Motown and Hazen and Street. And like, Hazen Street. Those That's are the her. two bands. She loves Hazen Street. We were supposed to fly out to Black and Blue Bowl to like go see them play, but then we ended up having to do like a fucking art show release. Can you, can you ask your mom to come bullshit. on my podcast? Oh, she would. Because she's down. Awesome. She, she went and saw like Sly and the Family Stone, all that shit. Like, wow. Back in the day. Like, saw Marvin Gaye with Led Zeppelin. Do you ever want to sit her down and be like, yo, there's other stuff happening now that's different. Hazen Street, dude. She's down. <laughs> Bayside, Hazen Street, Les and Jake. That's my mom. She's got black and pink hair, dude. She's a punk that's rocker. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, so we went to go see Warp, like, went to go Warp Tour and and we were, like, out swimming in the pool. Like, we got in the night before. And we got back to the hotel room. My dad's like, hey, like, there's some guys with, like, mohawks and stuff. Like, that I helped, like, work on their car. And, like, you know. And we're like, yeah, shut up, Dad. Like, you don't know. Because we met some other band that was playing, like, the Ernie Ball stage. And, like, they sound like Limp Biscuit or, like, Corn or some shit. And I was in, like, sixth grade or something just being like, this is this is still bullshit. So my dad's like, <laughs> so by then I'm like, any band that's staying here, it sucks, you know? And then we like 
go to Warp Tour and and make my parents stand in like a different spot in line, you know, and like I spiked down my hair and it was real, as you do, real as you do, cool. yeah. Still, I'll do it later. No, that's what I'm saying. Warp Tour fashion, of course, right? And uh, but later on, like throughout the day, like we were walking by and this, we walked by that band Sugar Colts like merch booth, and they were like, hey, like you want to sign our email list? I was like, oh. Okay, like, what does it sound like? And he was like, if, do you like Less Than Jake? I was like, yeah, I fucking love Less Than like, Jake. fuck yes. And he's like, it sounds like that. And so I'm going to sign it, and then I hear Rancid start playing. And I was like, I got to go. Like, Rancid's, like, m- the best band ever. Uh, so I got to go. And then as I'm, like, taking off, like, walking away, he, the dude from Sugar Cult comes up, and he's like, yo, I'm, I'll bring you on stage. Like, you want to go watch Rancid? I was like, fuck Yeah. <laughs> And she's like, you have so to sign this email list first, though, please. So, but we got to go up there, got to like take a bunch of pictures of like Rancid playing. I still remember him like playing Ruby Soho and like saying like echoes of reggae coming through my bedroom wall, and his hand was moving across, and it was just like the most beautiful thing ever. And like afterwards, they like were getting off stage, and the guy from Sugar Cole was like, yo, like you meet meet this kid, like he loves your band, and like. They all like chilled and it was like really cool. I told them that we were in a band called the Caltransvestites, because like the road in California, we're from California and Caltrans is like the road workers, like the people holding brooms and like watch it go by. But I was in like sixth grade. We didn't even play instruments. Like we just were in a band. Like my whole life, I was just gonna be in a band. Like what would you have done if Tim's like send me the demo to Caltrans? Well, no, <laughs> so. So we were, like, you know, chilling, and it was cool. And then it was, like, before cell phones and shit. So, like, once Warped Tour was over, we were, like, well, I have to go. Like, I told my parents that I'd meet him by the car, and there's no way that I can be, like, yo, ma, I'm chilling with Rancid. Let me stay here for a while. You're fucking everything up. Even though you bought me tickets, and you brought me there, and you brought me into this world. But... So then we're like, you know, going back and we're like, we're like driving, driving back to our hotel room and this like little Nissan comes by and my dad's like, oh, those are the dudes that I like worked on their car and it's just rancid in like a little, little Nissan. I don't know what the fuck car brands are really at all. So I could, I don't know. It's a Toyota. <laughs> no matter what it is, let's hope it's a Nissan. But it's like some like four door, like little thing and they're chilling because they're rancid and they're sick as fuck. And so we like go back to the hotel and we go back to the hotel and there's like a pizza place inside of the hotel where it has like a little video game room too so we like go home it's boreal ski resort in the summer so it's like these dust it's just like dust everywhere so we like showered up put on our new shirts i put on me first and then gimme gimme's one with like a fucking martini glass i'm like 12 years old like braces fucking idiot just and and my friend puts on a rancid shirt too, and we like go, we go to the, like the pizza place with my parents, and we hear, "Yo, Dave!" And we look over, and it's Rancid just playing video games in this like little video game room. And my parents were hella cool, and we're just like, "Ah, all right, like see you later." And they took off, and they like walked up, like all Rancid walked up to like me and my friends, and like they're like, "Yo," like Lars Fredrickson was like, "Yo, nice shirt, man!" Like to my friend, and I was like, "How does it feel?" to see someone that you don't know wearing your band t-shirt. And he was like, put out your hand, man. And I put out my hand and he dumped a bunch of fucking quarters in it. And 
And he was like, feels like that. Like, let's go play, let's go play some video games. Like, and we played like Pac-Man and all this shit. It was so cool. They like smelled like shit too. It was funny because they were like, yeah, we went back to the hotel room so we could shower because we got to drive. But it was like, no, you smell like shit, dude. But it was cool. And then I wanted to smell like shit too because Rancid's fucking the best man ever. I wear this jacket every day. It's like my little safety cocoon because I feel really uncomfortable like getting in front of a lot of people. You're, you're trying to be rancid until still. I just yeah don't <laughs> yeah. So this actually probably does stink, but I got like Cliff bars in here and shit like that. Well, if you want a snack, find Dave. Yeah, Dave, that's- there's hella snacks here. Don't pay for shit. Talk to us and we'll no, try to give you a beer. Support or something. the people that want to eat food too. Yeah, they gotta eat food. Eat for their food. food. Buy, buy food, too. Don't listen to this guy. He, don't listen to this stealer, record stealer, and don't listen to the greatest hardcore record ever guy over here about their advice. Dave, this is fucking awesome. Stay tuned for Fuck part yeah. one on a real episode. I'm going to say the same exact thing. Dave, I want to bring you over here for footnotes. Dave, David up, I mean, Dave. But we got, we got limited time left, and I got a huge guest that I got to bring out here. Ladies and gentlemen... I was thinking today, uh, ladies and gentlemen, people, whatever you identify as, I should say, but I've had people on this stage that play in great bands, bands I love, bands I grew up on, blah, blah, but I haven't had a real champion here yet. I'm talking about someone who's actually held legit gold around their waist. I'm talking about someone that unites the twin passions that motivate this world, punk rock and professional wrestling. I'm talking about... The greatest guest ever, ever on Turn It A Punk. Coming back for a third time, my friend, MVP. He's super funny if he doesn't come out. I know. If you, if you no-showed me, that would be amazing. <laughs> oh. After that intro, I was scared I couldn't live up to the hype. So oh, I almost, come on. I almost left, man. If you haven't heard... MVP's two episodes on this show, they will blow your fucking mind. You, sir, and I've told you this countless times now, have had a cinematic life beyond the scope of many. Unbelievable. I I say all the time, I have done and experienced things that most people have only seen on a movie screen. And maybe one of these days I'll bring mine to a movie screen. Yeah. One of these days, we'll see. One of these days. But like... And not necessarily always in a positive thing like you see on the movies. It wasn't all... No! <laughs> it wasn't all the end of Rocky too. <laughs> no. You know, it's, it's funny because, you know, I was talking to somebody about, you know, the, the amount of time that I spent in prison. And you know, for those black helicopters that are watching <laughs> us... It's because we've been talking about PCP too much. Uh, we, we are both on somebody's list, I'm yeah, sure. We are. <laughs> <laughs> um talking about the amount of, of, of time that I had spent in prison mm-hmm. and uh, it's one of those weird things where you know in a movie you know in Hollywood whatever you see a guy gets locked up and then you you know commercial break you go grab a sandwich and come back and he's back out on the streets but in real life you do that shit day for day hour for hour minute for minute there's no commercial break and you come right back mm-hmm. you know so just the reality of like when the judge says, okay, you have a, uh, in my case, an 18 and a half year sentence. 
oh shit, I'm I'm 16 years old. Wait a minute, man, I'm gonna be old. You know, mm-hmm. like 30, 30, 30 something, and I, I would couldn't even count that high at that point. But you know, fortunately to be able to take such a negative and 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 uh, weave it into a positive. Shout out to my man, Primetime Daryl D. Daryl Davis, who was the correctional officer who introduced me to professional wrestling, who ultimately saved my life. Um, you know, f- from that, from, you know, being at the, 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 the valley of, as I was talking about earlier, uh, spending 67 days in administrative confinement, you know, mm-hmm. the whole. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I don't think you can get any lower than that to the high of standing in a ring at WrestleMania and being like, wait a minute, I'm wrestling for the United States Championship on yeah. Wrestle-fucking-mania. Like, you know, <laughs> so talk about peaks and valleys, you know. But that, that, that and you mentioned that solitary confinement, or what did you, what was, sorry, what did you describe it as? Sorry. At, uh, What's at, this, oh, uh, uh, at AC was administrative confinement, okay. where you spent seven days in disciplinary confinement, through yeah. court, where they say, okay, you're guilty. And then uh, 60 days in disciplinary confinement, D.C. So a total of 67 days. And, and that's, you heard Nirvana just before that happened, right? Oh, yeah, I told you about it. Yeah, yeah so, this is a crazy. My, for, as a matter of fact, for that deal, uh, the prison I was at at the time was uh, DeSoto Correctional. And uh, when you were in administrative confinement, you were under investigation. So you could have all your property. And... You could have your radio, your headphones, and then once they find you guilty and you go to disciplinary confinement, you got uh, underwear, T-shirt, comb, toothbrush, and flip-flops or something like that. Um, And at the time I got locked up, like I was 14 turning 15 when I first got turned on to punk. And, you know, I, I was just turned on to this brand new sound, this new experience. You know, I just had absolutely fallen in love with, with, with Bad Brains. And then, um, you know, Don, greatest, yeah. Can we finally get them in the Hall of Fame? Yeah, can we yeah, really, you know, if you got a ballot, can we please make that happen? Um, and then Donnie, you know, uh, Zach and Donnie, you know, turned me on the fishbone and gave me my first fishbone cassette. And then, you know, all of a sudden, I've just got this brand new, uh, uh, avenue of music and this is before there was the, the label alternative didn't exist yet you know shout out to open records in North Miami Beach back in the day where I had to go specifically to find that kind of music you know that they didn't have at Specs or Peaches and uh, I ended up uh, getting locked up right at, as I'm really falling in love with this genre and going to shows and coming into my own as a teenager and now I'm in prison where all you get is, you know, uh, you know, 94, nine K rock or, you know, some, and that, that's all it. That's all there is. And, uh, where I was at, I was able to sometimes, if you hold the radio just right, catch a certain college station or, um, you know, they had some, uh, uh, little maybe public access type stations where they would actually play, you know, real punk and hardcore. And, you know, and, and, and you know, I would, I would be able to, and, and almost like taking a, a, a shot of pure adrenaline, I would be in my cell and I'd hear, oh my God, that's bad brains. Oh, shit. Sure. I've heard bad brains in three years. Oh, oh, oh. you know, lose my shit. So, you know, I was, I was in confinement for this, you know, this, this bogus case where the officers just pretty much set me up. And I'm sitting on my bunk and I have my headphones on and I have my radio and I heard 
the the opening chords, you know that and I immediately went, oh shit, wow, because this is the closest thing on mainstream radio that I had heard that compared to this new shit for me that I was into. And the very first time I heard Nirvana smells like Teen Spirit, I was in confinement at DeSoto Correctional Institution, and and like I was locked up. But I was in my fucking room just bouncing my cell, like bouncing off the walls and going, oh, shit, this is amazing. And that went on to become fucking Nirvana. Mm-hmm. Well, if you mentioned Zach Blair there and Donnie Blair, Zach Blair, of course, Austin resident, member of Rise Against, uh, Dracula's, Vanishing Life. That's a very mediocre applause for a, a local <laughs> hero. Uh, but we glossed over that. You met the Blair brothers <laughs> when you got shipped to Sherman, Texas, just before you went to pr- ultimately what sent you to prison that whole moment right. in your life. And you actually befriend the Blair brothers, randomly meeting them, and teach <laughs> them to help stand up for themselves. This is fucking crazy, and it's all laid out in the podcast <laughs> from Zach, too. And it's like, how did that... That is... Doesn't that still blow your mind? And then, like, years later, you guys meet up again, and you fucking have to save the misfits from Macho Man Randy Savage. <laughs> if you, I, and I'm, I'm not plugging my podcast here, but that episode with MVP and Zach Blair where they, where they recount the Macho Man showing up to fight the misfits, holy, I, 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 I like, I was happy when my children were born. <laughs> And that story was like second just below I still that. have a, 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 a photo of me clean shaven, like literally weeks out of prison uh, b- before wrestling school backstage at that show with the Macho Man. <laughs> and I'll never forget, like, uh, I was there with, my, with my, my, my younger brother, who's actually bigger than I am, and a, a state wrestling champ. And... Uh, the bouncers and two cops came over to us and said, hey, uh, you guys are some pretty big guys. If, if, if we have to handle him, will you help us out? You know? <laughs> man, I'm like, man, that's the motherfucking macho, man. Fuck you, man. <laughs> and I walked over to macho. And I was like, hey, uh, macho, man, what's up, man? God damn, you were a fucking jock, man. He's like, oh, yeah, brother, you got to keep up with the young guys. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh... You know, it's, I'm standing there talking to him, and I'm like, is it okay if I take a picture with you? And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. He goes, man, brother, you're the only one here that's being nice to me. Everybody's being mean to me. Yeah, those guys over there, no good. <laughs> and, like, and it's, it's unbelievable to think that's before you even train wrestling. Right? Like, before you... Yeah, yeah, that was... Yeah, I hadn't even started wrestling school And so... But you then fucking reconnect with the macho man through another person. Yeah. Man, right? You know, like I said, man, my my life has just been... Like, it's weird because I don't subscribe to any religious ideology. I don't necessarily have uh, a belief in a higher power. But man, it sometimes it seems like my destiny was kind of like laid out for me or some shit because, yeah, like this path that I've led that followed that uh, that I lived that led me to pro wrestling and the people along the way and you know Macho Man being one of those people, um, you know I won't get into the whole story but I ended up doing something with him and 
uh, I, you know, I, one of my specialties is in, in the wrestling business, we call it cutting promos. I grew up in the hood. I can talk shit. You know what I'm saying? So when we had to cut a promo, I went right at the macho man. You know, and like, man, I said, yeah, you used to be this, but what do you have now? A tube of Bengay, you know, a prescription for Viagra. And he loved it, you know, and he ended up, you know, giving me, we exchanged numbers. And, you know, I'm a young indie guy, you know, trying to make it in the wrestling business. And sometimes my phone would ring and it would say Randy. And I'm just standing there like, fucking macho man is calling me. <laughs> like, and back then I used to wrestle under the name Antonio Banks. And, you know, just, you know, imagine my mind went on the other end. Hey, Antonio, brother, what's going on? Uh, you been uh, wrestling lately? Uh, what did you get going on? I'm like, fuck, this is my... <laughs> He's asking me about what the fuck I'm doing. This is a legend. This is the macho king. And, you know, it was... You know, fortunate. Like when I got signed, he called me up, and, you know, to congratulate me. And you know, for those of you who know about the Macho Man, like he was notoriously—I don't want to use the word paranoid—but I'll just say cautious. Madness uh, might have been something <laughs> the that was madness. <laughs> like you know, he always felt that someone was always out to take your spot. You know, and in the wrestling business, you know, a lot of guys are always worried about you know someone trying to take your spot. And, you know, I was really, especially back in the day, and uh, he said, <laughs> the advice that he had for me, he said, of course, you know, don't trust anyone, brother, because everyone's out to take your spot. Yeah, don't trust them. And save your money. Yeah. Don't try to compete with those other guys and spend up your money looking cool, because then you'll be broke, and that's not cool. Yeah. <laughs> And I bullshit you not, that's how he used to talk. That's not a gimmick. You catch the macho man at 3 a.m. and he's going to answer the phone. Uh, hello, why are you calling me so early? Yeah. <laughs> well, I just realized that I'm running out of time like crazy, but there is no thing in, in, in this world that sums up why I started this podcast more than the fact that through punk... I can connect Rise Against <laughs> to Sherry Shepard or Guar <laughs> to Sherry Shepard through, and you got to listen to those podcasts to get that part, but that is a, a truly amazing thing that we're dealing with. Now, dude, what you do is truly an amazing thing. I mean, I, you know, I met you and, uh, you know, we connected immediately and I started listening to the Turned Out of Punk podcast. Yeah. And is it phenomenal or what? Like, you know, the, he, he does a hell of a job. And, I, dude, I'm honored to be a part of dude, it, man. Thank you so much. Everybody, MVP! Yay! Dave, we're running out of time. You and me. Yeah. I guess we got to just uh, just uh, do this last footnote in a minute. We got, we got two minutes. JT, I fucked up, dude. Okay. We're going to do a podcast. Altercation tomorrow, everybody. It's going to be fucking incredible. I... I one of the funniest people in the world. In the world. All right, uh, just some quick stuff. Uh, the best record ever? Yeah. Uh, you want to just do that real quick? Let's do the best record ever. <laughs> the best hardcore record. Best hardcore record ever. Rancid 2000. Uh, I, you know what? I, I didn't write that one down. <laughs> okay. <laughs> what is yours? Uh, I have to say the negative approach 7-inch, right? Okay. Right. Like, as much as it seems like contrite, like you're supposed to be like, oh, the, the clip boys, like something yeah. weird, like... No, it, it, it's an eight approach, seven inch. I would, I, I agree. I would say if we're going LP though, 
Feel the darkness. See, I tried to be. I just wrote seven inches. That's yeah, I know. I, said, I know what they're doing. I know uh, it's a perfect. It's a perfect format. But that's the you have to go LP. Because all right, Rancid Two Thousand is an LP. Do, do, yeah, but we have to count. But, but, but like by a show of hands, no one is going to say that that's their favorite record of all time. I think it's, like, I that, that record is incredible. No one. I just don't know that. if it's no the offense, best but hardcore record of all time. Do you like that more than Victim in Pain? No, I'm not saying I like it more than Victim in Pain. Okay, see? That, that, that it comes <laughs> but back as a to hardcore vi- record, as a hardcore record. It comes back to Victim as in Pain. As a Rancid record, I do prefer Rancid 2000 to Victim in Pain. For a Rancid record. For a Rancid record, I would say that Rancid 2000 features more Rancid. It's way more rancid than Victim in Pain yeah. was. Um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things I wanted to write down. I, I enjoy the Beastie Boys 7. Oh, and because I don't have anything to say about Jail, thankfully... Um, is Solitary Confinement the best song on Danger House? That is uh, the best song on Danger House? Yeah, yeah. yeah See, this, this is what Footnotes is for. This, this song was kind of ruined by uh, everything that happened in, in New York in the early part of this decade, or, or last decade, but Let's Get It Ready to New York by The Randoms is my favorite Danger House song. So you like that more than We Are The One, We're Desperate? Yep. I know that's I, a bold I mean, statement. I, yeah, it's a tough to one. To pick the novelty I, record. I was sitting over there on my phone going through Discogs being like, <laughs> what's the best song on, di- on, uh, on, on that record? And I, I, honestly, I think it might be Solitary Confinement, but, you know, I'm, I, Let's Get Rid of New York is, is high on the list. Okay, and Dave, what do you think about this? Because we talked about the Misfits. Misfits, simultaneously, the greatest punk band ever and not at all a punk band. Uh, correct. Like, the, I, I, you know... Uh, they were a punk band, I think, by opportunity. Not that they were like cashing in because it was the '70s and it wasn't money to be had, but I think that's just what they ended up making. Mm-hmm. Um, love the Misfits from New Jersey. I have to say that, but I feel it anyway. Uh, I don't subscribe to a single thing post uh, Earth AD. Like I don't, I don't, I don't hang with couple tracks. Couple I, tracks. I don't hang with Project 1950 or American Psycho. Couple or, tracks. <laughs> Uh, I did see the Misfits one time at uh, in New York with the only person I knew there was Ralphie Boy, which is if anyone knows who that is, that's the singer of Disassociate. Like, we, but uh, we got to wrap up. Though. All right, fine. I want to talk about Ralphie Boy and Disassociate. They played one song I knew. <laughs> the Misfits played one song you knew. Yes, it was awful. Wow. Okay. Well, everyone, thank you so much. Can I bring everyone back on stage? Chris Florak made it back. King of Toronto Punk, Chris Lorak made it back. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to another edition of Turned Out of Punk. I'm your host. Let's take a photo. Who wants it? Can someone take a photo of us real quick? Thank you, Dave, Dave, Chris, and MVP. That was incredible. I had a great time. Thank you, everyone that came out and watched that. I met some fans of the show, people that really dig this thing, and I really appreciate every single one of you that came up and said something nice because that was a ton of fun. Thank you to Sound on Sound, uh, everyone at Sound on Sound for having me. And, uh, you know, that was, I, I can't wait to do that again. And I will be doing that again. That's right. December 12th in Boston or Alliston, Massachusetts at Great Scott. The next day, December the 
13th at Black Hat in Washington, D.C. Wednesday, December 14th at Johnny Brenda's, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. And then December 15th, Thursday at Rough Trade in Brooklyn, New York to, to wrap it up. That's going to be like kind of the, I guess, a holiday party of sorts too for the show. Um, I'm deciding that now. So there you go. Uh, this is going to be a super fun tour. Uh, there's a lot of surprises. I'm working on even more guests. Every episode is going to have, as I say, like, you know, or as I say, as I've illustrated, it'll have about three or four guests and it'll be uh, sort of like fun interviews. There'll be a Q and a at the end, you know, like I'm going to try and make it, you know, as unawkward as possible. You know, I'm going to try and make this like, just like a super fun hang. Uh, like, like if you were all here doing this podcast, podcast with me, you know, in this very, very, uh, hazy room with lots of records all around, you know, that's not what these places are going to be like. Don't worry. I'm not going to be hazing your, your venues up. I promise. But I will be, uh, turning out a punk inning it up at all these venues. So I hope to see you all there. Uh, next week on the show, whew, speaking of part twos, this is a part two that I've wanted to do for a long time. Next week on the show, as I said before, when he was on the first time, one of the most gosh darn influential people to me in this music game out there, next week on the show, coming back, Tony Erba from Nine Shocks Terror from uh, Gordon Sully motherfuckers, from Steps X Step Sister, from uh, uh, Face Value, and of course the godly H One Hundreds. He'll be back for an amazingly hilarious part two. Uh, if you don't know Tony, you know if you haven't listened to his part one, you are missing out. But he is back for a part two, and uh, it's a good one. So anyway, way, anyway, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, once again, if you want to get in touch with me, hit me up, buy your tickets over at DamienAbraham.com and, uh, yeah, I will see you all soon. Thank you very much. Go out there and make your own culture. And while you're at it, check out Bloodlust Tournament of Death. I should have warned you before. It's not for the faint at heart. It's a little gross, but it's amazing. Not because of me. Nothing to do with me. A lot to do with Shawnee, but you know, it's great. It's great. Anyway. Thank you, everyone. See you next week.